it'd be great to understand a little bit around your kind of upbringing and early life and then how you how you made the uh, jump into procurement. Certainly. Um, in as a lot of people have ended up in procurement, not intentionally, I think is the answer. Uh, I, I, I did a languages degree at university. And as part of that, I had to spend a year abroad and I went to Paris and I worked in the purchasing department of American Express. Um, and that was purely through an applications process on, on available roles. And I didn't really know anything about procurement at the time. Um, and from there, uh, after university, I ended up um, going back into it and I've been there ever since. Wow. And did you, um, did you ever know about university, uh, sorry, about procurement growing up or, or while you were in university? Was it something well, that... that not really, I, I don't think is the honest answer. I think it's one of those things that you, you, you kind of don't think about but know that it happens. And I think back then, so this is going back to 1997, eight, that I was in Paris. I was there for 14 months in the end. Um, it, was, it wasn't the function that it is now. And I think that evolution was driven partly by time passing, but also by some of the financial challenges, in particular, probably 2008, that have changed the way the procurement is, is, is viewed within, it, within businesses, within you know, central government, local government, whatever it may be, and has pushed procurement into a different place. So I think that sort of there was an evolutionary path that got hastened by financial crisis. Um, from a personal perspective, it was purely the opportunity to work with a company like American Express in whatever department they offered me, quite frankly. And it just happened to be purchasing administration. And, yeah. and that's where it started. Great stuff. And then fast tracking to your current role as, as MD of Capital Procurement Solutions. I think it would be quite helpful for the audience just to, to quickly describe what Capital Procurement Solutions is and how, how procurement sits within that organisation. Certainly. So we are the client-facing procurement consulting business within Capita. So we manage both our own directly owned clients, but also we operate within the wider, larger relationships that Capita has with many private sector and public sector clients, um, executing the procurement elements within those um, wider multi-service line uh, relationships. Um, so it's a sort of a hybrid of directly owning clients, but also supporting the internal uh, ownership of big clients. Mm. Um, and as far as it's concerned, you know, we, we have everything from small clients who are seeking, you know, three or four days support to validate say, ERP strategies, all the way through to clients who will ultimately be with us for 15 years. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge variance. And as far as how the function is, is the, you know, the, the capability is set up, it's a pretty traditional procurement consulting business, um, but clearly where you've got the difference between, uh, say, a managed service over a large, long contract to a short consulting, we, we, we have a, a pool of expertise, which is, again, a very traditional approach that can be called upon to support those, support those clients. Great stuff. And again, just for the benefit of context, um, how many people do you have in your team, John Jay? We, well, again, it's it's a, it's a difficult question to answer because some of our procurement capability sits within um, <laughs> within the wider client and longer relationships. So 
I would say that all in all, within both the um, direct employees, the wider capability um, that sits within the bigger partnership relationships, but also we have a thing called a uh, contract and networking approach. It's probably around 150. Great stuff. And what are some of the challenges that you and your team are currently facing? Um, <laughs> so many at the moment, I think, is the answer that is probably common to lots of people. To, to be honest, you know, when COVID hit, we pivoted to working from home instantly. I mean, there, there was no loss of service to any client. And I think that doesn't make us special in a consulting context because most consultancies do work remotely um, and are therefore very easy to be able to pivot. We had some teams who are sort of uh, fixed within client offices that had to um, you know, be mobilized and, and sort of get used to the working from home because of COVID. But beyond that, it was, it was pretty seamless. Um, I think within that though, I think it's the change of focus. And I think um, rapid agility, rapid response, uh, reaction to what COVID was doing, the ability to be agile, the ability to reflect new requirements, the ability to support clients in their pivoting to working from home so that their underlying business objectives weren't, weren't compromised. Those were um, you know, difficult, but in some respects, those were also great fun. Succeeding in those challenges is a, it is a fun experience to go through, even though clearly with COVID, fun is possibly not the word that you would want to use. Um, and I think as it settles now, it's, it's, it's pivoting to um, some of the changes that are, are going to come through. And I, I guess we'll talk about those as we go through, but I think mm -hmm. the use of technology, managing risk, um, creating alternative supply chains, um, those, are, those are the challenges that we're facing um, and, and how technology is used. I think technology in the coming two or three years and how that is deployed is, is going to be uh, an interesting journey and probably again that's going to be a, a fast revolution for a lot of companies um, to ensure that you know the, the likes of COVID um, won't impact them the same way again. COVID has most definitely shone a light on areas of um, immaturity or ineffectiveness within within our world and I think a lot of companies are going to be you know putting the foot down to to improve um, in, in, in many in many areas. As a procurement professional who's progressed into leading a company in a managing director role, how has your role changed and, and what, what are your kind of responsibilities now, John Joe, as, as MD of Capital Procurement Solutions? It's funny, actually. Somebody asked me that probably six, seven months ago um, in a similar sort of conversation. I think um, become an enabler. You know, I, I do very little direct delivery. I, I do have a bizarre a couple of our European clients because that's that's where I come from. That's my background and, that, and that's really something I enjoy. You know, it being in the role that I have now, I do miss the sort of the sort of the coal face. I do I do miss being involved. So I do still indulge myself by by owning a couple of our European clients. But I think it's becoming an enabler because if I'm not the person who is keeping a client happy with um, delivery, I need to ensure that the teams I've got are, have the best environment, tools, skills to delight your clients. So in many ways, I think it's the realization that I actually work for them. 
I work for the team. My job is to understand the things that are preventing us delivering brilliantly and remove them, remove those barriers, be those technology, be that training, be that some of the challenges, again, that you know, we've, we've had to deal with because of COVID-19 in, in creating flexible working environments for, for people, in particular those, those with families. So, mm. um, so that's one aspect. And of course, you know, when you sort of get to this position, you, you become responsible for all those things like you know, numerical performance, um, you've got the risk that you need to manage it's the oil tanker mindset it's not necessarily what's directly there it's it's also looking beyond to the you know the what's on the horizon and trying to ensure that you you navigate more acutely towards that um, i'm also very lucky because i have a good team around me of of people who have been in this industry for their careers as well um, which is fabulously helpful, but also we, we recruit people to challenge us. We don't recruit people to do what we ask them to. We, are, we, we bring clever people in to say, this is, you're, you're a bit old school here. You need to think more forwardly. So um, I would say that it's probably the responsibility and the people side um, that is probably the biggest change. Fantastic. And on the, on the note of hiring people, what do you look for when you're interviewing somebody or a role at, at CPS? Uh, many things, depending on what part of the business that they're coming into. Um, a lot of market you know, requests at the moment are for expertise, be that within a category, be that, say, within system integration. And you need to ensure that your people that you're bringing in have those skills. Um, but outside of that, you're looking for... Um, people who have got good interpersonal skills, people who can create relationships with their own teams and with the client teams. That's a, a key part of what we do is people and people relationships. Um, freshness, people who are properly enthusiastic. It doesn't always matter if they haven't got the experience that you're looking for. If you see people who have got that light behind the eyes that says, you know, I'm going to give you everything I've got and you don't, you know, I, I, will, I will make this work. Um, so, so I think it's, 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 it's a mixture of those. Yes, of course, there are accreditations that, um, people will come to you with, but, um, outside of that, you know, experience in procurement clearly is one, but also being somebody who's, who's enthusiastic goes a long, long way. And at this point in your career, John Joe, what are you most passionate about when it comes to procurement? Definitely people. Um, I think in some respects, the passion in the last 12 months is probably evolving a little bit because I think we've got a huge role to play as we come out of COVID-19 um, in supporting uh, businesses recover, businesses survive, people get back into the workplace. So I think there's um, an awful lot that we have an opportunity to help there. And I'm quite passionate in doing our piece. We are supporting on initiatives like the Kickstarter campaign um, and wider than that within social value um, activity. Uh, I look forward to seeing how those are going to, 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 to develop and, and support, you know, UK PLC recover. Um, but it's, it's always the people, you know, if, if you're not passionate about creating good environments for people to have uh, rewarding careers, then 
every other aspect of what you try to do as a business will be more difficult than it needs to be. So, um, yeah, it's, it's creating good opportunities and um, good working environments for people and staying part of that continued conversation with the market around and how we evolve and what we do. Great stuff. And what would you say are some of the, the key focus areas for procurement right now? So I'll answer that by saying, what are we being most um, asked for? Hmm. It's probably into four areas. Um, so risk, uh, risk management, so all aspects of risk within supply chain. Um, it, is, it is savings. People clearly are going to need savings in these difficult times. Um, uh, supply, a bit of supply chain conversation. So the alternative supply chains, people are slightly aware that they're sort of, they've probably put too many eggs in one basket within a lot of their supply chain networks. Um, and social value. Um, no, no question that a lot of the uh, central and local government conversations that are being held at the moment involve a strong element of social value uh, and all of those components as part of the ongoing conversation. So mm. those I think are probably the four things we talk about the most mm. and that last element is the social value side of things we're having lots of conversations with with clients at the moment around sustainability you're probably yep. having similar conversations what, what what kind of trends are you seeing in in that space John Joe well across the board I think it, it's it's there, there, there has been a, a growing conversation around social value it's not just COVID that has you know, kicked this off. Um, it was there as a conversation beforehand, but undoubtedly, again, COVID is, has hastened the need for procurement to ensure that it contributes more to, you know, the, the wider social context. But I can remember, you know, 10 years ago, having conversations with councils where they were having spend at local agendas, which was around local social value. So that it's not a new conversation. I think sustainability falls as part of that social value. So you, within social value, you have all sorts of things like uh, apprentices coming into work. So people at the starts of their careers, um, you've got ex-offenders, you've got ex-armed forces, you've got back to work initiatives, you've got uh, environmental components, which are clearly very important. And I think there is definitely, um, and has been for a few years now, a, a much, much, much clearer demand for environmentally compliant um, procurement and through that through the supply base effectively but you've also got you know social in the context of you know uh, where you're getting your product from not just that you know it's is it China what's what's the context the political context of of, of everything so it, it is really across the whole board that you're seeing um, sustainability not just environmental sustainability, but the sustainability on all of those components as part of a social value piece. Um, and we are, uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend we've, we've mastered all of them, but we're working hard to be better at all of those with our clients uh, on, on a very diverse range of client requirements across those areas um, as time goes by. Great stuff. Thank you. Now tell us about your, uh, your biggest um, achievement in your procurement career to date? Um, 
I think that, you know, I've probably got a couple, but I mean, so I'll give you one, which is where we've got to as a, as a practice at the moment. I think we are um, certainly in the last, you know, three or four years um, making great steps as far as the consistency, um, expertise, consistency of delivery, consistency of execution, the expertise that we've got, um, a lot more client-centric in terms of um, working much more collaboratively with clients to understand what they're trying to do and what journeys they're on. So I think, you know, the the business that we have become and matured to is is certainly something that um, makes me smile. I guess if I went back to my, my days of delivery, um, I worked on some pretty complicated, you know, global, but mainly pan-European supply chain programs that were very complicated. Uh, I used to live in Germany for, for three years doing that. And I think the um, cross-cultural collaboration uh, throughout Europe um, to execute you know, single strategy uh, approaches to supply chain and, and all the procurement that sits within supply chain um, is never easy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it's a complicated thing to do. Um, and I think uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. And I think that was a very successful outcome at the end of that. I think I ended up doing that for about five years with one client. So it was um, a lot of fun. Great. And what, what skills do you consider essential to being a procurement leader? Uh, listening, um, uh, I think is key. I think if you end up telling people what to do all the time, they don't grow. If they don't grow, you end up having to keep telling them what to do all the time. And that's not a sustainable path to um, develop a business. Um, but patience, understanding, listening. Um, at the same time, you've got to recognise that there's some, at some point you will end up making the decisions and you will be accountable for them. Um, acceptance that you know, you're going to get some things wrong, but when you do get them wrong, that um, you're going to work, uh, understand and accept that, you know, that error. Um, quickly and move forward to get things right um, get the right people with you you know uh, don't don't think that everything sits on you 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 can't know everything you know there's so many categories that we work with there's so much legislation with what we do that you need to accept that there are absolutely people who are far better and more knowledgeable than you on lots of areas and being ready to listen to those people and um, work with them to ensure that it's, it's the right way forward is, is, is key. I think those are probably essential skills. Great stuff, thank you. And what's the best lesson you've learned in your procurement career so far? Um, th that I didn't know it all, <laughs> <laughs> like many people, I suppose. Um, yeah, I was told very early in my career by somebody that it was quite, you know, a, that you'd lose your job in, in your career two or three times. That was one big lesson he said. You know, he said that the work, workplace was changing. And that, you know, people, you know, younger people in particular in regards to technology were going to come flashing through you and past you and above you. So it's that, it's that, it's, it is that. It's, it's, it's a little bit of um, reality check that um, the world evolves quickly um, staying at pace with it all is, is a hard task for us all to manage, that you need to lean on people um, and, and listen to people uh, to keep progressing. Um, and that's, 
that was, you know, I thank, I thank a, a very early boss in my career for those lessons. Um, he was, he was absolutely correct. Correct. I have lost my job before, um, and I have had to reach out to a lot of people in my in my career to 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 learn those lessons. Um, so that's probably the biggest lessons I've learned. What do you think are the current procurement trends or hot topics, and what emerging roles do you think we'll see? off the back of that in procurement as a result? So social value is definitely probably, definitely the hottest topic at the moment. I think everyone is talking about it and there are going to be multiple tools um, and obligations and initiatives that we are going to have to um, engage and embrace. Absolutely, I think that's a hot topic. Uh, Trends-wise, I think, um, uh, supply chain de-risking absolutely so you're going to see you know a lot of companies you can take apple as an example diversifying supply chain dependency away from you know single geographical areas into a wider global network so i think that's that's something else that's happening uh, technology is always going to be one uh, i think we're in probably you know a, a 10-year cycle where um you know, the sort of the, the mid-sized company catches up with what technology has to offer and actually uses the technology that they have. So I think you're going to see um, a quite rapid evolution. Um, rapid, five, 10 years, is that rapid? I think for a lot of companies, if you've been around for 50 years, doing a full technology, technology backbone within, you know, a three, four, five-year program can be pretty challenging and pretty rapid. So I think those are the sorts of things that are, the hot topics and I think the use of technology to create a more robust risk averse uh, business to deliver value, deliver efficiency, um, to give businesses the ability to be data driven, fact driven, you know, having data on your phone as you walk around, live real data, all those sorts of things. Those, those I think are probably the key to social value and um, uh, technology. Great stuff. Are most of your clients in the UK, John Jay? Um, probably about 70, 75%, hmm. 80% maybe. We've, we've got some very, very long-standing European clients, but you know, we, we, we've, we execute all around the world. We exclude in the US and Europe. We have, uh, you know, we've had to travel out to China and we've executed in Russia. So there are a number of geographies but yeah it mainly mainly i would say 75 percent in the uk and can you give us a bit of an overview of of how your business model at, at cps has been affected by both covid and now brexit with the new trade deal so pick them off one by one as far as covid is concerned i think it was um we were beginning to do more work with the private sector and I think that slowed down. So there was an instant sort of back to a little bit more focus on central and local government. I think that's that's fair to say. I think most companies will recognise that. Yeah. Um, as far as executing, very little impact. Some of the big programmes around technology have been paused. So say SAP implementations, et cetera, some of those have absolutely been paused as private sector companies wish to sort of preserve cash as opposed to um, continue with programs, not knowing where COVID was going. Um, 
But in terms of the ability to execute, we haven't really had any challenges. It's just really adapting to clients, adjusted timeframes, whatever initiatives they were doing, and possibly pivoting some of the, the support that, you know, the, the, the teams that they've got towards other initiatives, things that may have been put on hold before. So we've done a lot of work with clients on clean data, you know, creating that source of truth data set that enables them to, to, to sort of refocus their procurement um, uh, initiative strategies based on better data sets. We did quite a lot of that and around contracts. Um, did a lot of contract database work during COVID. As far as Brexit is concerned, um, lots and none probably is the honest answer. Um, we've had a lot of conversations and done elements of pivoting with clients. But in reality, it's not stopped any client from engaging with us. So when I say lots, I mean, yes, there's change. When I say none, it means no client has said you're a UK-based consulting business, so I'm not going to work with you after Brexit. Um, I think maybe there are companies who haven't quite got to where they need to as far as being able to operate post-Brexit, and maybe there's some bumps in the road as we come out of that, plus COVID. But um, so far, it's, it's just been a, uh, a gradual preparation in the bits that we support them with to ensure that those mainly providers that they work with have been able to continue afterwards. Great stuff. That's really, really interesting. Um, with regards to this next section, John Joe, um, this this is less about procurement and um, your professional life and more about you as a person. Um, yep. What do you like to get up to in your spare time? Do you have any favourite books or, or films or destinations or sport? Uh, I suppose like many people, a bit of everything. Um, I have three daughters, so that keeps me busy. Uh, and um, I have, my wife's been doing a doctorate as well. So that, again, is a nice. something we've been sort of adapting to. Um, I used to play cricket quite a lot, but my knees have fallen apart. So, so that's sort of come to an end. Um, quite a lot of reading, um, all sorts. Uh, um, you know, everything from historical fiction through to industry related, uh, in inverted commas, homework. Travel when we can, obviously, not a lot lately. Um, we're lucky enough, I'm lucky enough. I lived in Paris for a year and a half, I lived in Germany for three years, um, traveled a lot personally and sort of for, for work, and really enjoy that and really miss it at the moment. So put that lot together I think that's pretty much takes up most of my time fantastic and if you could give any advice to your younger self John Joe what would it be um listen to older people more they've been there done it they've got the experiences um it's not the arrogance of youth it's the it's the it's the excessive confidence of youth I would I would I would say listen more Listen more. I like it. Very good. Um, this is one that, that often stumbles and it trips people up quite often because it puts you on the spot. But um, can you tell us an interesting fact about yourself? Uh, an interesting fact about myself. Um, I'm not sure if many of them are um, <laughs> re repeatable. <laughs> interesting fact about myself. I don't think there are that many, to be honest. Most people know them. Um, you met any famous people? 
have I met famous people? A few, but I'm not going to say that I've, I've met famous people as my interesting fact. Um, I once lived on a beach in Jamaica for six months. Now that is interesting. There's, there's got to be a good story behind that one. Yeah, I'm just going to have to leave it at there, though. I'm afraid it's not repeatable. You're a man of mystery. You'll, you'll, you'll keep people um, guessing on that one, I think. Yeah. Yes, I will keep people guessing. Great. Do you have a, um, a personal motto that you, um, you live by or any kind of words of wisdom? And, and if so, what, what are they? Um, I think there are so many, you know, sort of little sayings that people like to, to brandish about. But I think from experience, um, the times I don't enjoy at work are when I'm, I'm not prepared, when I haven't thought through... Um, when I try to go into something a little bit not ready, you know, when I haven't thought through what I need to say, I don't have the right data with me or whatever it may be. So if anything, it would be be prepared. If you want to put it in Latin, semper paratus. That's I brilliant. Think. I like that. I think that's good advice for anybody in any career, to be honest. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, look, that concludes the interview, John Joe. I personally really enjoyed it. And I'd like to thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much.